Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? pretty good <laughs> nice cool um yeah man we're talking about little women today all right 20, 2019 yeah. uh adaptation yep of the classic american book from louisa may alcott yep directed by greta gerwig it's got an all-star cast great women little women yeah <laughs> even some great men in there too uh, a couple good. yes yes you know um, yeah, but it's definitely women. focused on the female side of things, That's which is true. something I really love about Greg yeah, Gerwig's yeah. movies. Um, uh, Lady Bird was probably my favorite movie of 2017. Yeah. Um, just you definitely, love that. You definitely got an edge on me because I don't have any Greta Gerwig experience. But I'm definitely interested in diving into her work later. And I'm interested to see what she comes up with next. So Yeah, that's true. I've also seen Frances Ha, which she didn't direct, but she helped write with Noah Baumbach, and she stars in it as well. Oh, I didn't know there was a Baumbach. Um, She's a fantastic actress, but I was so happy to see the transition to writer-director go so well for her, because I love just her vision, uh, the way that she just sees the world, I guess. I love love that. It's one of the reasons why I love Sofia Coppola as well. Just these female directors have a fresh take something I really like. Yeah, I think that's actually very important for this movie, particularly. Like, I definitely felt the female director, like, pretty heavy in this one. Like, with there's some moments where I was like, this is way cool to have a female director voice in, like, this year's cinema, like, out of all the movies that came out. Yeah, true. Um, but it's it's great. It centers around mainly Joe March, but also her, her three other sisters, Meg, the older sister, and then you have... Beth, and then you have um, Amy. Amy, right? Yep. Who I actually thought Amy was the older sister, and Beth was the youngest one. Same. I, I thought think. they were switched, Wait. but I guess uh, Beth is older than Amy. Amy's the youngest. Okay. In the family, actually, that makes sense now. But originally, I thought Joe was. Th- this is really confusing now. Like <laughs> <laughs> trying to ex- trying to explain. Yeah. This. So, in order from age, you've got Beth, played by Emma Watson. Sorry, not Beth. I messed it up already. Uh, Meg, 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 played by Emma Watson. And then you have Joe, Joe. played by Saoirse Ronan. And then you have Beth, played by Eliza Scanlon. And then you have Amy, played by Florence Pugh. Yep. Um, Centers around their childhood years, kind of their coming of age, um, dealing with their separate individual interests, figuring out what their place in the world is as a woman in that time period, and just um, what's expected of them. And what they want yeah. to do with their lives. Yeah, it's definitely heavy on like them getting married and taking care of their family because they're poor. Um, an important thing is their their mother is their only... During growing up, their mother was their only parent at home because their father was fighting in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, like across the United States. So they're in like New England area, early settlers. So. And then yeah. their father was in Washington State, I believe, across the whole country. So. Wow. That's cool. So yeah. the father was played by Bob Odenkirk, and the mother was played by Laura Dern, and her name was yes. Marmy yeah. March. So. And boy, I love Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. I knew he was in this, but yeah. his appearance was so great. I was yeah. waiting for him the whole time and loved seeing him in anything. And, you know, I'm I'm really, like, loving what Laura Dern's been doing these last few years. 
Um, what has she been in she's recently? She's great in I... Big Little Lies. It's okay. a short, yeah, limited yeah. series on HBO. Yeah. Um, she was in this and Marriage Story uh, oh, this yep. year, yeah. which is interesting because Marriage Story was written and directed by Noah Baumbach, yeah. who's actually the real-life partner of Greta Gerwig. Like, yeah. They're in a relationship. And um, what's funny about it, too, is Greta Gerwig was six months pregnant going into the filming of this movie. And uh, she gave birth like two days after they finished editing. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Um, it's crazy. Like I, I didn't even know they were together. But I think I watched an interview with Jimmy Kimmel. I think so. Yeah, she's d- done a lot of press covering this movie, of course. Right, getting ready for and, the Oscars uh, and the awards. Yep. Hopefully, we're we're hoping this is gonna pull some Oscars. I think. Yeah, I think it will. Pretty snubbed at the Golden Globe, surprisingly, but yeah, uh, I think it, I think the. Hollywood Foreign Press uh, overlooked it, but I don't yeah. think the Academy will. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I did, like apparently she had kept this baby under wraps huh. um, during production. Nobody really knew that she was pregnant, and she gave birth like after it was done. That's so crazy. It's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, Laura Dern killed it in this oh, yeah. and Marriage Story. She was great in that, yeah. but but this she really shined. Like she had more screen time in this, and a lot a lot more emotional complexity with this character um, than. Totally. character she played in marriage story but she got some great scenes with her daughters like she's just a key like role in this movie like i without mm-hmm. her i think it would be way different and there's yeah. like some some aspects that happen like we'll get into this more later but when she leaves the children they have to kind of do things on their own and so yeah there's kind of like some different aspects to the parenthood like the parents being there and gone and absent and yeah. It's interesting. And as much as I love, like, I've always felt like Saoirse Ronan is, like, perpetually 25. Like, she <laughs> always has yeah. acted, like, such maturity yeah. in her characters. Even Definitely. Even in back in some of her earlier stuff, like Grand Budapest Hotel, and mm. even before that, like, she was just a force on screen, and everyone knew she was going to be a star. Um, oh, yeah. But Laura Dern's character really grounds the rest of it. That's um, true. As, as mature and and um wise as some of the daughters are in this movie um it's good to have that mother figure to kind of center it and definitely keep it grounded definitely and then we've got meryl streep playing aunt josephine so she has some good screen time some interesting relationships with some of the some of her nieces and some different things going on there yeah we got timothy chalamet playing laurie which is a neighbor love interest of the daughters and yeah we'll talk about that later love triangle thing complex stuff there's Uh, some complex which interestingly i mean um it's it's common knowledge by now that louisa may alcott she did not want to marry off joe um but i think she she kept putting out the book in chapters and all of her audience and the people they were like Who's Joe going to marry? And she was very staunchly, you know, opposed to Joe having any sort of love interest, which is interesting that Greta Gerwig decided to do that. Um, Or I think even in the book, Joe ends up with... Yeah, in the book, Joe ends up with... Well, I guess, I don't know what we want to get into, spoiler-wise. Spoilers for a 19th century book, I don't know if it's uh, really important. Okay, well, definitely go see this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It's great. There's nothing that we can say... That will adequately describe how good it is on screen. Like you have to see it. It's a. It's also such a visual experience. Like of course movies are, 
and so yeah some of the co- like there's so much comedy and there's like good love triangles and super heartfelt so definitely see this movie but we're gonna get into spoilers now so pause watch the movie come back definitely. then then we can then we can chat so okay definitely all right bro so bro let's go all right yeah i loved i mean the ending as you know as great as it was i think it the stuff with um that german guy the the oh, professor, the professor. dude I don't know if much of that stuff super worked. I really liked I his earlier scenes with Joe when he was just that honest critic. That's who, true. He really cares about her. You can yeah. tell that he wants to be honest and he's not trying to be harsh. Uh, but she's still young and insecure about her work. Yeah. And no this one's a... ever given her a bad note before. Mm-hmm. So you can see that kind of um, um, that kind of lights her flames a little bit. But I guess he comes back later just like... I love you. Let's yeah, get together. That she's seemed like, kind of I I didn't I didn't think that worked well for me, but I think that Greta Gerwig was following the novel because like we were talking like you said earlier, um in the book it came in two books and in the first one I think Joe didn't end up with anyone and then her audience was like who like you got to marry her off like otherwise this isn't going to mm. sell well. So she had to marry um Joe off and I think that's how she ended up with the professor. I can't remember his name. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a German name. I wish yeah, I, I don't know if I could even pronounce it, even if I knew. So. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, like I felt like the the really central figure of this movie was the Amy part for me. Like she yeah. was the one that I was always focused on, and definitely, definitely had the best comedic. Oh yeah, dude. Relief of Hilarious. the movie. Um, she, her character has so much emotional complexity and range in this. Uh, it's amazing that, you know, Florence Pugh came right off of Midsummer, which is kind of this psychological horror movie about grief and about relationships and just like very kind of negative thematically. Um, and she even said that working on this immediately after, which they pushed the production of this movie so that, so that she could come work and, and do this movie, um, because Midsummer was being filmed right before this one was. Anyway, she said that coming coming to work on Little Women after Midsummer was like the best form of therapy. Oh so, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, so Amy, played by Florence Pugh, definitely for me, all uh, probably my favorite sister, and definitely the standout performance. At least one of them. I mean, they're all super great, but yeah, she and, she had some of the best. Like you were saying, comedic moments, like so yeah. f- so funny. She was, hilarious. and it, especially in like scenes of like tension, she was always kind of like the comedic relief sister, and her being like the youngest and stuff. It makes sense, like. But yeah, even mm-hmm. with her immaturity as being the youngest sister, she's still like very mature, and mm-hmm. like you were saying, like super complex. Like her character is really good. Yeah, and she had a lot to say. Um, there was that very emotional scene with her talking to Lori. Yeah. About, I don't want to I don't want to marry for love necessarily. I think marriage is a economic decision proposition, proposition yeah. and you know like these are my reasons for getting married and on and on like she it's kind of a progressive sort of uh yeah. way of thinking but it's interesting because uh rumor has it that Meryl Streep actually gave the note to Greta Gerwig for that scene. It wasn't originally in the script. Huh. And 
she wrote it on like a piece of scratch paper and <laughs> handed it in a few minutes before they Jeez. were going to shoot it. Yeah. Greta Gerwig liked it so much that she quickly writ, wrote some dialogue for that that idea and put it in. And it works super well. I mean, I love that part and gives you a lot to think about as well. Yeah. And then there's another scene with her and Laurie where... So the love triangle is between Joe and Laurie and Amy. So... It's kind of confusing because the movie's in, it's non-linear, so it goes back and forth between mm-hmm. the childhood, quote-unquote, and then adulthood. And an interesting yeah. thing about that, which we can get in when we talk about the technical aspects, yeah. is the childhood was always bright and golden, and then the adulthood was always colder colors, and, like, it's interesting. But anyways, that's how you can kind of tell it apart, and some of the characters have different hairstyles and things like that. Anyways, yeah. rant there, but... <laughs> Um, the scene with Timothy, oh, sorry, that's the actor's name, Lori and Amy, where she just tells him, like, I'm not going to marry you because I've always been second to Joe. Like, you only want to marry me because you're settling for me. Like, I'm not going to let you marry me because you're settling because you can't marry my older sister. Like, it was so, that, that scene was so, like, man, it was so good. It's true. Very relatable, very, um very kind of gut-wrenching but yeah because she it it came around i think in the end you know he genuinely loved amy and he was happy for joe and her choice of life i think he still had obviously a deep place in his heart for her definitely but he accepted what happened and he was ready to move on and i think him and amy are a good match um yeah she's always loved him which is something that yeah that's the other thing told him yeah joe always said like you need to be with someone who's going to adore you and be at your feet and all this, like, I'm not that person. And so I think he had to kind of shift his his thinking a little bit to yeah. to start to love Amy the way His expectation a little him. bit, yeah. But then there was the other poignant scene with Lori and Joe, which was so, like, upsetting. Like, that was so emotionally, mm-hmm. like, just punching. But any... Um, yeah. And great, I mean... The settings of this movie yeah. are amazing. And oh. that scene was just on this beautiful hillside. Oh, man. The autumn trees and just it was spread just, out. Man. So nice. Yeah. It, it reminded me so much of, like, the Pride and Prejudice, mm. where they're out in typical rain, you know, yeah, having this classic. emotional kind of breakup scene and kind of profess your loves type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the settings, I mean, the shot selections, even on um, simple establishing shots in the house were yeah. like framed at an interesting angle and composed yeah. so well like that aspect i love and it's one of the things that i recognize Greta Gerwig's talent so much oh totally her shot choices are awesome yeah there is a lot of uh if you want to get in do you want to get in a technical um aspects? really quick let's, i just want to touch on a few more yeah so it was, it was really interesting something i found was that the costume designer actually created duplicate clothing pieces for joe and Lori. To Dang. make it seem like they shared clothing between each other. Like, what? that's how close they were. That's weird. It's like um, a subconscious thing. Yeah, I never noticed it. But I guess, I think looking back, you know, multiple viewings, yeah. I'll be able to pick some of that yeah, stuff out. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and she does, like, Joe wears a little bit more sort of masculine type yeah, clothing. Yeah. She wears, like, those button-up white shirts and, like, mm-hmm. vests and things. And and Laurie is, is a very proper young man, which the style back then was right. also a little bit yeah, fashion-centric, the, a little bit the less The costume design masculine. is really excellent like mm-hmm. some of the dresses and stuff were just like wow and like 
the set pieces, the homes, the yeah, yeah, the costume design, and just really, really great. Yeah, outstanding. All that. Um, a little bit more about the um, just the actors, the characters. So Saoirse Ronan wasn't originally supposed to play Joe, um, but when she found out that Greta Gerwig was doing this movie, she called Gerwig and said, "I'm Joe March. Like I'm going <laughs> to be in this." And Greta Gerwig just thought that was such a Joe March thing to do that it was perfect. She's like, okay, awesome. I'm going to do it. But she originally wasn't going to because they worked with, together on Lady Bird and she, right. you know, just, just if wanted different things or whatever. But it was kind of funny that that uh, that fit the character so well that she That's ended so up. Funny. And she was perfect for the role too, so I'm glad that happened. Oh, yeah. And speaking of roles, so you brought this up earlier. Like Emma Stone was originally kind of cast to play Meg, which was played by Emma Watson. Yeah. But Emma Stone dropped out because she was promoting the favorite. Mm. Um, which funnily enough, Emma Watson was supposed to play Mia in La La Land. Oh, but she was doing. But Beauty she and was the doing Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So she dropped out for that. So Dang. it's just kind of this role reversal thing. Dude, Emma Stone and Emma Watson just like. I know, and I don't know which role is better. I, I mean, I'm a bigger fan of Emma Stone than Emma Watson for sure. Yeah, me too. I would have liked to see her do Mia and uh, yeah. Meg, but, you know, to each his own. The thing that I really, I mean, coming back to the Gerwig thing, I mean, she's so great with the camera and all that, and I love that. Um, but something that for me is the key to a good director because I think their primary job is working with the actors and getting the best performances out of them. I don't think Emma Watson is that great of an actress. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, she wasn't good in beauty and the beast. Good, but She was manageable in most of the Harry Potter movies, <laughs> um, at best. And most of the other stuff I've seen her in is just like pretty weak. But in this, I could tell like Greta Gerwig is just such a great director that she could mm-hmm. get, I think I think what makes a great director is someone who can get good performances out of like bad actors. That's very true. Yeah. And I actually I really agree. loved Emma Watson in this movie. I thought she did a great job. Um, her character was nuanced and um, well acted overall. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of like rip on her, and it's kind of like the trend right now online is. I mean, she she might be like the weakest sister, in my opinion, out of the four. In some s- situations, but I like so it, the first scene we see her in is her buying the silk for her dress, and that later on, like she has the conversation with her husband about finances, and it's interesting because she was like this the daughter that was really poor but didn't get married for money. She was like the only one that wasn't in it for the money, like we talked about earlier with Amy being uh talking about how marriage is a financial proposition but mm-hmm. but beth or sorry not beth we haven't even talked about beth yet though no, we'll but get to that. but meg was the only one sort of who saw marriage as love and so she married her husband not because of the money and so they had financial difficulties and that was interesting to see that play out and be contrasted with the other sisters yeah it so makes a good her character was good but yeah, it makes a good three-dimensional character, which I guess we can owe that all to Alcott for that. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, I mean, I thought it was it was really well acted. You know, she showed the emotions very well. And, you know, she 
typical oldest child, you know, she's got to be the mentor. She's got to be the strong support. But at the same time, like she has faults too. And it's kind of hard for the oldest child to maybe overcome some of those insecurities about themselves when they're just trying to help out their younger siblings. But it's true. Anyway, now like onto Beth. I mean, yeah, that's a whole, that was one for me that I had real struggle with because Eliza Scanlon, of course, played the younger sister. I think her name was like Emma or something in sharp objects. It was like a limited series on HBO. And, um, I guess minor spoiler for that, but she's like not the greatest, uh, not the greatest person, you know, in that in that show. So it was just really hard because Beth, in this, um, Beth in this is like uh, the most wholesome, just innocent, sweet little sweet. girl ever, and it's so sad to see her pass on. Um, that that future past thing that you mentioned with yeah. the, the warm colors and the cool colors in the, in yeah. the future or the present, I guess. And then the past was warmer colors. Um, that's that sequence where Joe, you know, there's an extra super close up on her eyes as she yep. wakes up. She notices that her sister's not in bed. She freaks out. She's just at the breakfast table, right? She's she, fine. She She's runs better. down the stairs. Mm-hmm. You don't see, the table, you just see her face. You see Saoirse Ronan's face, Joe's mm-hmm. face. And then it turns, cuts over to her just sitting at the table with her you mom. See, yeah, you see Laura Dern, and then she, she kind of moves, moves away. And then, yeah. boom, okay, phew. Yeah, like big relief. And then they do it again in the future because she got sick twice. Yeah. and It's blue this time. Like, the color, like, right. the first shot of her eye, it's totally mm-hmm. blue. Like, the... Yeah. So that is... A marker for the future, but also blue, you know, representing sadness and right. It kind like of that. prepares you a little yeah. bit for what was coming, but I didn't quite get it until she wakes up and sees the bed empty. Yeah, she kind of brushes it off this time because she's like, "Oh, she'll just she just got up for breakfast. That's what right. happened last time." Um, but then this time, that shot counter shot of Joe looking at her mother at the table and Laura Dern just weeping because yeah. the daughter she's dead and. Beth, that is, and it's just so powerful, so sad. Definitely, um, that was just you knew it was coming, yeah. but it was the way sort it of was unexpected, done. but yeah. at the same time, expected because of the similar shot, like the anaphoric use of the similar shot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that scene, she opens her eye, cuts to the bed, walks down the stairs, and like right, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is like, not sure if what's going on. I like. You know, yeah. you're kind of at the edge, but then it kind of speeds up and there's like this tension and you pretty much yeah. know before she gets down to the bottom of the stairs, then you see just her face and she starts showing more emotion and then it cuts to Laura Dern, the mom, and then she starts breaking yeah. down. It's such a, So, man. I mean, I said a couple of times in this movie, like, I was just out loud, like, why? Like, yeah. why does this movie have make me go through this again? Like, yeah. it's such an emotional it's roller coaster. Almost, like, what do you, what do so they call it? Down. Emotional torture? Like... Something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what, there's like a term that most like people talk about, but uh, they, de- emotional they definitely terrorism. Yeah, emotional terrorism. But not quite. I use that term in like Nicholas Sparks sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie was very well done emotionally. It True. felt earned. Everything True. felt well done. And I owe a lot of that to Alexander Desplat, the oh, composer. Yeah. My favorite composer. He got nominated for the him. Golden Globe but didn't win. So sad. Bummer. Yeah, he he's great. I mean I started paying attention to him with The Shape of Water, and then I found out he scored a lot of Wes Anderson movies, yeah. and 
some Harry Potter movies and just he's an amazing composer. Very, very I, prolific. I very love his good his ability to draw out emotion in kind of a subtle way. Um, it's not so fanfare John Williamsy, right? Um, but it's not like too understated. Like I knew that it was his work as I was watching the movie. I thought, wow, this sounds similar to maybe like the Moonrise Kingdom score, or the Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox score, which yeah, his instrumentation is kind of distinct, yeah, compared to to other people. Yeah. And on this type of movie, you know it's going to be someone good. Like, it's got to be a high-caliber composer. For so. sure, yeah. So you can... Uh, I love that part of it. I mean, it just totally. adds so much to the emotions that you feel and just what where you're supposed to be looking and what you're supposed to be expecting and all that. Definitely. Um, but just And it wasn't so overdone. Like, sometimes, especially... Well, in the horror genre, music is a really big key to the movie. Like... Thanks to Bernard Herrmann back in the day. <laughs> so, like, with this, it didn't feel overdone, but it definitely helped you, guide, it guided you through the emotions and guided yeah. you through, and that's, like, really key. Like, yeah, which good I, I scoring think that's, is I think that's key. what a good score does, is it gives you those emotional cues. Yeah. Um, it's something that John Williams is really good at, but I don't know. I prefer Desplat over Williams just because when I listen to the scores by themselves... Um, I enjoy the music a lot right. more. John Williams stuff is a little bit more slow and boring. And when you're watching the movie, it works really well. Right. Aside from those few... The like, big title, like... The very popular, yeah. famous Jurassic Park theme and the Star Wars theme. The and the Indiana Jones theme. Like, all these big, big, big uh, scores. But, yeah, Dace Blas stuff, like, I mean, the entire Shape of Water score is amazing. Um, probably my favorite I have not listened movie, to that but, or seen that yet, but um, so his good. other movies, other scores, way good. Yeah. Love so him. along with the technical aspects, the camera work, we've talked about this, Gurig, amazing behind the camera. A lot of great Brilliant director. Yeah, you were telling me that. Where, you know, you see a similar composition in one aspect and then it cuts to the similar there's a composition in one shot and it cuts to a similar composition yeah. in a different context. And it usually switched between the different timelines. Like it would switch between yeah. the future adulthood timeline and the childhood timeline. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes it was between the sisters and stuff. Right. It was to draw very, it was also dynamic in that mm -hmm. sense. Like it wasn't always the same. So it wasn't like overused and predictable. It was used like quite a bit, like enough that I could notice it. I didn't know exactly what it was called until you told me. And I'm like yeah. a camera guy. Like I like the <laughs> editing and stuff. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, um, it's a very good storytelling technique when yeah. done right. I mean, the most famous example, which always gets brought up when talking about form cuts, is from 2001. Yep. The guy, the monkey throws the bone in the air, and then boom, it's a spaceship. Yeah. And, like, that alone, in those two seconds, it tells you so much about what yep. just happened that no amount of, like, 30 minutes of filler dialogue and progression in yeah. different scenes could have explained it. It's just so concise. Yeah, editing is so crucial. And in this movie, yeah. the, the editing, I think, like, I don't know a ton about it, but it's very crucial, especially when we were talking about the scene with Joe finding out Beth was dead, like like the reverse shot, shot, reverse shot. Like, mm -hmm. the, it was so good, and especially when they did it multiple times. There was another time they did the same sequence twice, and that was when, at the end, Joe was talking to the publisher guy, and she was like, oh, yeah, she, Joe doesn't get married. And then they show the shot of, like, her getting out of the cab and going in, or the carriage and saying hi to the professor guy at the train station or whatever. Mm. And then he's like, no, they need to get married. And then it, they do it again, but she gets out and they, like, make out in the rain and the umbrella <laughs> is, like... So they do that a couple times, and I love when movies do that, when they do the same shot 
a couple times from like different people's perspectives or with different changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it shows great. I mean, blocking, shot composing, like yeah. all that stuff is is so um, mastered in this film that like one thing for me that with editing where that's concerned, something that I always pay attention to is the pacing of a movie. Yeah. Um, does a scene drag on or is it feeling rushed? Like, do I want more out of this scene? Uh, something that makes good editing is when a cinematographer, they hold on a shot and the editor is willing to let them hold on that shot. Like there's a scene from 12 years a slave where it's just looking at the guy hanging Uh, from a tree and like it holds for a good 15 seconds at least and most most editors would cut that and do a close-up and then cut back and then cut to a different angle but they just held it and it just it builds tension and it just lets you kind of soak it in feel it yeah yeah and this one um there were good moments of that i don't know i don't remember any like especially amazing Mm -hmm. i mean with editing it's kind of like the best of the best gets noticed and like the worst of the worst gets noticed um but i think this was definitely higher up in the, it's in the gr- editing it cinematography good. realm it for was sure. really good yeah for sure um but anyway i mean as far as that goes really enjoyed it i don't have a whole lot more to say um unless you have any final thoughts we can wrap this up um another scene that was really good well actually just on the on the editing and stuff standpoint one thing that kept it really fresh was the multiple storyline parallel timeline thing it kept it really interesting and the just the way the story the pacing moved it was dynamic and interesting um cutting between the sisters and especially with the love triangle like and how it wasn't all stacked like all the emotion wasn't stacked to one spot in the movie like right at the end they didn't just wrap it up really fast like i feel like it was the tone was very like nice and when it changed it did it so well like between the sadness you're supposed to feel for like the loss of characters and then like joys and like the love and all like the tones shifted so well and that's like I think that's a mark of like a really good director writer all the work on this just adds up to just that is really really good yeah I think that is a good point about editing it was a unique editing choice um, by the director, I think, to do this nonlinear storytelling, to flash back to when they were kids and all that, living at home together. Um, and so, yeah, that's a good point. And something I just remembered, actually, one of my favorite, just super endearing moments, and it's super early on, and so it, it really kind of warms you up to the story and the characters, is when um, Meg brings Joe to this dance party thing. Yeah. And Meg is like, you got to be proper, don't do all these things. And then Joe immediately does all those things. Yeah. She does it all wrong. But she has a good time. She enjoys it. She meets Lori. And they go outside to dance instead of being inside. Yeah. Because they're both like kind of like maybe socially awkward. They're a little shy. Um, and they go out and just like go crazy. Yeah, it was like, so they're funny. Just, they're just they're dancing like dance like out. They would dance like very proper past the windows and then just like headbang like crazy yeah. dance when they pass the windows. Just imagine like some heavy rock music going or whatever. Just Wayne's World car scene like headbang and it was so <laughs> yeah. good. But that and definitely like warmed us up for the characters and that, that was just like so good. Like they're so quirky and yeah. it weird. Was so, but... It was so great because 
I when I watched it, I thought, man, that's so awesome. These actors are obviously like improvising right now. They're just doing whatever they feel. But I actually found out that that whole dance sequence was choreographed. Dang. Very well. And that's awesome. The choreographer, I mean, she has a great story, but um, yeah, her work on this movie was fantastic. I mean, the balls and, yeah. and then that scene where they're just yeah, going you, crazy. Yeah, you mentioned, you're like, how do they know all these dances? Like, that's what I wonder too, like in this time period, like, man, they had to know all these dances and yeah. the choreography and like it added so much to the time period piece yeah it was so movie. well done and like yeah that's something that these regency type yeah. movies always they do. always have big balls and like, elaborate outfits the music starts playing and everybody gets into formation and they do these yep. moves that like no other dance yeah, does and it's hilarious. like okay what is going on but awesome yeah I mean that's pretty much all I have um th- one other scene that I wanted to bring up that's just like ah oh, so good um it's after Joe rejects Lori and she's in her attic like packing up Beth's things and I can't remember exactly where it is because again the storyline is kind of confusing like (laughs) the way it cuts back and forth Mm -hmm. so I can't really remember where it was in the movie it was definitely close to the end but she's talking to her mom and she's saying like was I too quick to reject him like I thought about it and I like I, I really love him like do you think he'll ask me again and then she's like I I don't think women should like just be married you know like she's very against marriage the whole movie and she's more of like mm-hmm. a feminine power like on her own and writer and stuff and then she's like but i'm just so lonely and like the delivery of that scene yeah. and the line the acting by Saoirse Ronan was just killer and throughout the whole movie and definitely in that scene was so good like oh yeah that one of the, punch, my favorite scenes that punchline i mean it really did punch like because yeah she gives this whole speech about and the whole movie, you know that she doesn't want to be married. Like, yeah. it's a very obvious yeah. trait of hers. And um, most of the movie is about these different women's views on marriage yeah. and their futures and what they want to do with their lives. And so, and especially for the time, like, it was expected that women got married young and they that's what they did. They raised kids and they had the household while the father went off to work or war or whatever. Um and so she's giving this whole speech and then she she kind of I don't know if she admits it to herself in that moment finally. I think, I think it might so. be. Um, but she just breaks that out like I'm just so lonely. And man, yeah. just the stomach so drops hard. in that that line and like I'm almost getting choked up just thinking about that <laughs> again. Like that scene is so good. Mm-hmm. So well done. Sir Sharonin, killer. Oh yeah. Knocked out of the park. All Another these, the last shot of the movie was her face as she gets the book and like she does like a lot of acting in very short time like did you notice that right at the end she like looks down and like looks up and has like these different faces and like all of the whole movie like it feels like it was compressed in like these few like nuanced faces that she made it was like so good yeah and i'm glad you noticed that because yeah dude the ending scene of a movie the ending lines the ending shots they always should sum up the movie give the thesis of the movie yeah and also give you this catharsis. And I think, yeah, on, on Joe's face, you can see all the complexity of what she's been through her whole life and what she's facing coming forward. You know, she's opening up the school. She's releasing this novel. Yeah. And just like so many things have, have gotten tied up, but so many things are still kind of out in the open. And it's, sure. it's quite amazing just to see that. I mean, it reminds me, my, my favorite instance of cinematography is on The Graduate way back in like 67 68 
and uh, just that final shot of them on the bus. That's all I'll say. Final <laughs> shot of them on the bus. I, it's, it's a similar concept. Um, similar concept to where just you see all that complexity on their faces yeah. of, of what all the story had just happened. Just great acting. What's going forward. Um, One last thing as we talk about the beginning and end of this movie. We're wrapping this up. At the beginning of the movie, you see the cover of the book, and it has Louisa May Alcott's name on it. But at the end of the movie, you see Joe March's name with the same emblem, red cover, gold emblem, that says Little Women. At the beginning, mm-hmm. it's Louisa May Alcott, and then at the end, it's Joe March. Right. So it talks about, like, it's kind of cool to bookend, like, <laughs> bookends the story, you know? Nice. It's really cool. Yahtzee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to wrap it up, so... Cool. Let's, so uh, go out and see Little Women, y'all. And, oh, uh, yeah. It's great. I mean, what else can be said? It's it's fantastic. I, I plan to watch it at least three, four. Yeah, I'll probably, more times. probably go back and see it tonight. <laughs> cool. Um, What would you give this grade out of five stars, Barn? I, I five stars. Like, <laughs> I think we both already know what we've rated it because follow us on Letterboxd. <laughs> but yeah, five stars, killer movie. Yeah, cool. Um, awesome. Are you also five stars? <laughs> I am. I am five stars. I would say just, just perfect movie. I mean, there are maybe little things I could have an issue with, maybe could have been done different way, but I think the way that it was done is very masterfully, um, and yeah, just very maturely done. That's, it's something that I, I'm always coming back to Greta Gerwig. Yep. For whatever she does, um, She's teaming up with Noah Baumbach, doing a Barbie, Barbie movie, movie with Margot Robbie. So, I mean, I'm in on that. Those are three of my favorite people in Hollywood right now. So, yeah. I'm stoked. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, five stars from both of us. This gets high praise. I mean, this... Great stuff. This is top three of the year for me. I'm still trying to figure out my top three, but it's definitely... It's secure. Yeah, it's, it's got to be in my top five. I haven't seen a lot of the higher praised movies like Parasite and stuff like that but definitely from what i've seen in my top five it's amazing yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm still wrapping up the year um i guess we can transition a little bit into what else have you been watching bro, bro. what is entertaining you yeah okay bro. um what what about you go ahead so yeah like um, lately i've been watching a lot of tv i kind of just recently okay. got back into netflix for a weird reason <laughs> um, yeah I heard that David Fincher was doing this show, and I'm like, what the heck? I never heard about this because David Fincher is a great director, you know. Of, yeah, dude. Of Seven, Zodiac, Fight Club. Social Network. Social Network, Gone Girl fame. Anyway, one of the best American directors yeah, of all time. Yeah, a couple time. Of small movies, maybe you heard of them or not. <laughs> Classic. And, uh, yeah, he's directing this TV show. He's done kind of maybe a majority of the episodes, um, and it's called Mind Hunter. It's a Netflix original. Oh, yeah, you were telling me. Yeah, it's it's about these FBI agents in the late 70s who kind of initiate the behavioral science unit of the FBI. And they start studying these killers who have multiple crimes, violent crimes. They're a little more deviant, maybe sexual angle. Um, just It's pretty dark. It's gritty. It's David Fincher. Yeah, um, I feel like you'd pull that off well. For sure. Just based on what I know. Yeah, um, and... I know he's an executive producer on the show. I don't know how how much influence he has on the actual storytelling of it, but he right. does direct a lot of the episodes. That's interesting. And it's, it's just fantastic. I mean, they, these guys, there's two of them. There's 
you know, they got the typical foil going. There's the young, yeah. fresh, eager guy, and then the older, hardened, seasoned guy. And they're Classic. partners, and they go out. It, originally, they start just teaching local cops, and then some cops come to them like, hey, can we get help with this case? Like, you guys are FBI. Huh. And so they start with that, and then they just have this thought process like, we should investigate this. We should interrogate or maybe just interview some of these uh, serial killers as they come to coin the term later. Anyway, they end up bringing um, a doctor of psychology, I believe, from Boston um, down into their little crew, and she gives them counseling and everything. And it's just so great. Like, the dynamic is awesome. Each episode is more or less self-contained, but there's enough of a through line throughout the series that it it keeps me interested. I'm not really a procedural cop drama kind of guy. (laughs) But that's that's a big thing. And then as well, like, yeah, I'm just kind of wrapping up the year. Like I said, I've just been uh, trying to catch up on all the 2019 movies that I never got around to see. I still have, let's see, Parasite, like you mentioned, Peanut Butter Falcon, The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, I think that's it as far as the bigger... Oh, The Irishman. It's been on my list for a little while. I I know I need to see it before 1917. I guess that came out 2020, sort of, 2019 limited. I think it'll be talked about in the 20... I think it's 2019, technically. I think I I need to see that before uh, those awards come. But, Um, yeah, so what about you, bro? Yeah, um, I'm also wrapping up 2019. Uh, Got the movie pass for our local theater, so I've been kind of going back, catching up. Like, we saw Star Wars, we saw Cats, we saw... I'm going to probably go see Jumanji soon. Um, Yeah, just wrapping up some 2019 movies. Um, I've gotten back into Criterion... Finally, I, I went through like a little hiatus there with it, but I'm really interested in the Art of the Heist collection they came out with recently. So, so far I've watched The Killing, um, Italian Job, Circle Rouge, and... Rafifi? Rafifi, yes. Yeah, so I've Rafifi watched too. like five so far. I've got like six or seven left. Like there's a bunch. Yeah. But those are really interesting movies. Um and that's on so the Criterion far, Channel? Yes. Criterion Channel. So that's the streaming platform from the Criterion Collection. So Great go check collection. that out. There's a lot of fantastic content. We're big Criterion lovers. So we'll definitely talk about lots of stuff about yeah. that. Um, the aforementioned Francis Ha. Yes. By Noah Baumbach, starring Greta Gerwig. Uh, that's in the collection as well. It's, it's one of the movies that they've that came out released the 70s, on right? Blu-ray. No, no, that's that was, that was like early 2000s. 2011, 2010. 2011, dang. For some reason, it just seems like a seventies movie to me. But I guess if it had, it's black and white. Work. It's black and white. Right, right. But yeah, Noah Baumbach, very young filmmaker. He's got that's like true. three That's or why four I was like, wait now. a minute. I just like realized that mm-hmm. he has that. He that's has sweet. Squid and the Whale from about two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a young Jesse Eisenberg kind of leading ah, nice. off in there. Jeff Daniels, Laura Linney, and um. Yeah, then he's he's got the marriage story. story this year, which is fantastic. I loved it. Just yeah, saw I saw it. you it's watch a Netflix it. We original. Need to talk about that. One. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been watching that that stuff on Criterion. Been into the heist criminal movies, like the old French ones are really good. Rafifi and The Killing are my top two so far. I'm starting like a ranked list on Letterboxd nice. so that I can keep track. So I'm trying to watch all of those so I can have like a good rank. But yeah, and then before some of the movies that come out in 2020, I've got to, um, before some of the 2020 movies come out, I've got some things I need to watch. 
So I want to go back and watch all Daniel Craig's James Bond movies. And I need to watch, like, Ghostbusters coming out. Kind of want to go back and watch some of the Ghostbusters movies. So just kind of filling out some random stuff here and there. But, yeah. Nice. There's lots of good stuff. Cool, cool. Um, where can I find you on the social medias, dude? Well, Bro. you know, I I mean, the main one that I would recommend is Letterboxd. You can find me on Letterboxd at Baron Clark, I believe. And what about you? Where can I find you? Um, yeah, also on Letterboxd. It's it's a kind of social media type platform yeah. for movies. You can log the ones that you've seen. You can yeah. rate them, give them reviews. You can see what your friends are watching. Follow other people and read reviews it's pretty awesome uh they have all the films on there that you could ever think of so yeah um i love it been using it for oh, about a year and a half almost and yeah you got me into it. it and i i'm big into it i love it yeah it's great and so yeah you can find me on there at everett clark 236 i believe nice. um and then all the other social media like mount everett or some kind of thing like that yeah so yeah, Instagram. Awesome. I'm not really Instagram. on Twitter, but I'm not on other either. social media as much. But since we watch lots of movies, I love using Letterboxd. Big plug to them. If you haven't used them, check it out. Um, yeah, and of course, it's the a great way, bro. Have you seen podcast, dude? Yeah, um, probably should come up with a website one of these days, yeah. maybe, and maybe we uh, should actually post this somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and uh, maybe start trying to stream it on maybe Spotify or something. So, yeah, but we'll see. Awesome. Um, Cool, thanks for listening, y'all, and catch you on the next Bro Have You Seen. See you, bro.